is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Jimmy, today we're going to talk about a statement that I know that you have heard pastors say over and over again, and the statement is, my church needs more leaders. Man, what kind of church are these guys <laughs> running where you need more leaders? I mean, you know, that's, I think that's the cry of every church and every pastor that I know. You know what's hilarious, too, is guys at smaller churches, you know, our church is getting larger. Church guys think that we have all these leaders somewhere. Ken Witten, my good friend from Ottawa Baptist Church in Tampa, always says, hey, look, that tick grows with the dog. Wow. And no matter how big your church gets, you believe me, more. believe me, you need more leaders. Well, when I hear people say that, I always think, hey, you know what? I feel your pain. We need more leaders. <laughs> we exactly need more right. leaders. Well, Jimmy, we're going to talk about really some systems and some things that we have in place at Family Church to help us develop and identify, recruit, and just really train the leaders here. But before we really talk about some of the nuts and bolts of it, I'd like for you to talk about why it's necessary and what drives us this need for us to have more leaders? Well, the thing that drives everything is vision and passion. And so no matter what your church is or where you're located, every church needs to have their thing. Every pastor needs to be articulating their thing, their vision, the reason why their particular church exists in the community where they are. For some churches, that's racial reconciliation. For some churches, that's youth ministry. For some churches, it's reaching the poor. For our church, we said that our vision is to plant a hundred churches in South Florida because we think the need is so great here. So we launched that about eight years ago. We're gonna plant a hundred churches in South Florida. And when I started that, I said, hey, I'm not sure how we're gonna plant a hundred churches. I just know that we are. And what happens when you cast a compelling vision that makes your church unique and fills a unique need, a gospel need in your community or your region, then it puts you on a wartime footing instead of a, a peacetime footing. Hmm. And I don't want to go all military, but just, just to follow this analogy a little bit, when you're in a peacetime situation, then you probably have a smaller army. You're probably not on a very agile footing in terms of ready to go right now. Your battle readiness is low. You probably have a volunteer force and a bunch of people who are career and they've been there a long time. When you're on war footing, it's totally different. Instead of a volunteer army, you're drafting. When you have a, a peacetime, people only get promoted by working their way up the ranks. But when you are in war, people are promoted on the battlefield all the time get because out of there. necessity, right. because they're in the thick of it. And so this is the kind of footing that a compelling and difficult vision puts a church on. And I think that's very helpful. And then when I started making those statements, say, we're going to plant 100 churches. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we just are. We needed God to begin to help us develop some systems to actually do that, or it just becomes a pipe dream. And Steve, that's one of you know God's gifts to our church and to me was when God brought you on our team, because I say things like, hey, look, we're going to plant 100 churches. You get on a whiteboard and you go, if we're going to have 100 churches, <laughs> then we have to have three a team of three pastors in each one of those. That's 300 pastors. But probably 50% of the pastors we train are going to wash out. So that's 600 pastors. So we got to develop a system to train 600 pastors. Okay, I don't think like that. Thank God that you do. Yeah. And that's how we've been able to build 
some systems around right. here that really can make a difference. And then praying to God, Luke chapter 10, mm-hmm. verse two, that God would send more workers for the harvest, because we think that the vision that we have for our church is God's vision. And Jesus already told us to pray for more workers to go into the harvest. We are in a harvest posture and we're in a harvest region. I mean, this is a region in South Florida where people are lost and we are able to see a great harvest of souls. And so we're asking Jesus to help us. And so all of that kind of goes together, but it does create both an engine for creating and recruiting and placing more leaders, but it creates a huge need for more leaders. And it's always a a struggle to to match the, the need with the actual leaders that we can develop. Well, Jimmy, I wasn't actually here when you preached that sermon, but, you know, I was watching it and, you know, really it impacted my life. And I, I really don't know the truth between fiction and or the difference between truth and fiction as far as the family church folklore. But, you know, there are stories floating around our church that there are a lot of men who still have cracked ribs and sore ribs from their right. wives elbowing them when, yeah. you were, when you were saying you're going to be the one we train to be pastors. Well, that's right. The only way we can get leaders to do this, we're not going to attract a bunch of people to move here from seminaries and Bible colleges around. Honestly, we can't afford to bring all those people, as many as we're going to need. And so we said to our people that the people who are going to lead these new churches and these new congregations are sitting right here in the pew right now. Some of you who have never considered it are actually going to step up to the plate and do things for the Lord that you never thought that you could do. And you are right. It's interesting. Our wives sometimes have a greater vision and a greater understanding of God's gifting on their husbands than than the men do. Right. And there were a lot of ladies, I saw them kind of poking their husband. You know, you can do that. Yeah. And, you know, kind of man shaming them into uh, stepping up to the plate. Well, that's what Steve Scalise tells that story, and it's really a funny story. It is. Jimmy, as you know, I grew up on beautiful Lake Lanier in North Georgia. And so by default, I was a Atlanta Braves Man, fan. By your accent, I thought it was New Jersey. Is that- a lot of people think that I'm from Boston. But yeah. I, okay. I, I surprise them when I tell them North Georgia. I'm sure. So I wasn't. I didn't grow up a New York Yankees fan for obvious reasons, but you know the the Yankees took advantage of their farm system. They were one of the first teams, major league teams, to really develop that and lean into it. And you know whether you love them or hate them, they are the New York Yankees, and they win a lot of championships because of their farm system. So we've been trying to develop some things over the last eight years, internship program, residency program. We've started a new program to train leaders in our worship ministry called Launch. And so we're going to unpack those a little bit. We're going to go in depth later on in future podcasts with some of the players and some of the pastors that lead those. But we want to give our folks an an overview. So, Jimmy, talk to us a little bit about our leadership training from our kids ministry and student ministry and our internships. Well, one of the things that you have to do, I mean, it's nice that we can have formal internships and residency and all of those things, but everybody doesn't have the opportunity to create those. I do think more people could do it than do, but everybody can put themselves in a leadership recruitment posture. And what I so love about our team here at Family Church is every facet of the Family Church ministry is thinking about developing and recruiting leaders. Let me me give you an example. In our kids' ministry, Our kids ministry has what's called the Young Leaders Program, and they identify fifth graders who they think have leadership potential, and they invite these fifth graders to apply to be young leaders. And these fifth grade boys and girls have responsibilities, they have requirements, they have accountability, and they have interviews they have to go through, they have to fill out an application. And if they are selected to be a young leader, it's a big deal in their lives because a couple of my kids have been young leaders when they're in the fifth grade. And those fifth graders become 
guides and leaders for first, second, and third graders. And it's really an awesome opportunity because for the first time, that child begins to think of themselves as a leader. And I love that. Well, every church may not want to do that, or may, but that's a, just a, a simple Small way, way right? simple way, and doesn't cost anything to begin to put leadership development into the fabric of your church. Or one of the things our student ministry does, we have a program called Advance. It's a mission trip. It's a missions program that happens in the spring every year. Well, part of that, it's a mission trip and a discipleship program for middle school kids. But a lot of the leadership is provided by high school kids who, again, have to apply, have to be selected, have to interview, and then they are selected to become leaders for the middle school kids. It's an awesome opportunity for them. Same thing when we have kids camp. Like this year, we're going to take 300 kids to kids camp. Well, part of the way we do recreation at kids camp is there are some high school kids, about 15 or 20 of them, who are selected. They have to apply. They're interviewed. They're trained to lead recreation for the kids camp. It helps them think of themselves as leaders. So I love that from even our elementary programs, we are building leadership recruitment and development into the fabric of what we're doing. And none of these programs cost any money. They don't require any special facilities or anything. And honestly, every church of any size could do this. This is a church for the rest of us idea that I really yeah, like. That That's a leadership pipeline that starts early. And, you know, those, you think about those fifth grade kids, those boys and girls, they're not just coming to church every Sunday now no. just to show up to go to church and hear a Bible They've story. got responsibilities. They've got an oar in the water. They're ready to show up yeah. and work. So that's really neat. You know, too, you talk about people complain about how often people come to church anymore. And people say, oh, people only come to church 1.3 times and all of that. I'll tell you who comes every week, the parents of the fifth grade leaders, <laughs> because those kids feel like they they're have dragging to be there. their mom and dad to church. That's exactly right. I have to be there. Yeah, they do. All right, talk to us about our student ministry and some of the other things that we're doing. Well, one of the things that, that we've done is develop an internship program. I did this years ago, Steve, you did as well at Providence Baptist Church in North Carolina. But we developed a, a big internship program at Hobby Baptist Church in Louisville. But we were there where we had a lot of college students and, frankly, a lot of seminary students because there's a large seminary in Louisville called Southern Seminary. And as we developed that, we had all of these interns. But that showed me the power of internship for Leadership Pipeline. One of the things that we did that's a little unique at Highview is we made all of our interns do it as volunteers. So they gave us 20 hours a week. Now, here's the way we think of internships. And we're doing the same thing here at Family Church. It's volunteer interns. We have, you know, 40 or 50 of them at a time here. But one of the things we do with internship, we don't see internship as the free labor program, the free farmhand program for our church. Right. We see the internship as a way that we invest in them. They are not interns to help us, although they do help us. They are interns so that we can invest in them because wherever they go, whether it's at family church or go all over the world, whatever they do, whether they're in formal ministry or bivocational ministry or whether they're just a lay person, wherever they are, we're going to help them be better moms and dads husbands and wives, men and women, better Christians, better leaders in any arena. So we see the internship as a way that we invest in them. And one of the big mistakes that churches make is churches think that interns are there to provide cheap or free labor for right. the church. Right. And I think that's a terrible way to look at internships. Well, if you think about our interns that are here this past summer, you know, we have interns here from 12 different states. So yeah, no you, question. You, well, you can imagine, I mean, the thought process, if, if they thought they were coming down here to give free labor, they probably wouldn't come, right? Well, that's right. So they're here to be invested in, and I'm glad that that's kind of the reputation of our internship. Yeah, that's right. And some of the interns, about half of them, actually came up through our church. So they came through our youth group, and they are family church, you know, homegrown. But about half of them are from other places. And so we have this really interesting 
mix. But the whole but the whole point of it is it creates this begins to create the pool that you can fish in when you need significant leadership. For instance, we just hired a, a young man named Trey to be a youth pastor at one of our campuses. Well, how do we meet and develop and get engaged with Trey? Because he was one of our interns. Right. And so he put himself in that position. And so now when we go to hire people on our teams, who are we looking to? We're looking to our internship relationships. That's the first place that we're going to look. They understand culture and DNA. That's right. Jimmy, another leadership pipeline strategy that we have is our residency program. And, you know, I think back real quick to our first year. I mean, you know, we really didn't have a clue. We didn't know what we were doing. I mean, we were just, we we knew what our vision was and we knew what we needed to do, but we didn't know how to do it. Right. So we went out and found about eight willing guinea pigs. And, yeah, we didn't tell them that, but that's what <laughs> right. I think they know now. Yeah, they figured but, it out. But, you know, they, these guys were willing to get in. But we 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 were honest with them. We said, hey, look, the first year we're trying to do this. We're not going to be really good at it. But, you know, you need to help us develop this. These guys were, you know, gold. They were excited about it. And, you know, so our residency program has really gained a lot of traction, not just here locally, but even nationally as people are emulating it. Talk to us a little bit, Jimmy, about you know, the purpose behind that and what you think is working for okay, us. So, so here's the deal. If we're going to plant all of these churches, we've got to have higher level leaders with higher levels of training. The reason that a lot of men will not become pastors is because they, they don't see a path where they can viably get from where they are in life into the ministry. They don't see a way in because the only way they've ever seen is, okay, I'm, I'm married. I've got a couple kids. I'm in my thirties. I'm my career's going or my forties or fifties or whatever. And they think the only way that I could go into ministry, I have to go home and tell my wife, I'm quitting my job. We're selling our house. We're moving to another city where I'm going to spend four to five years getting a master's degree. In poverty. Yeah. And I'm going to live basically in poverty with our children. And then if I ever get a master's degree, our reward is going to be, I'm going to go to some real small church somewhere out in, you know, the the boondocks, and we're going to live out there in poverty, and they're going to be mean to us while we do it. <laughs> and so you, you begin to present this to somebody, and they're like, I just can't do that. That's a tough conversation to have with your wife, yeah, isn't and look, it? Thank God for people who do it, okay? Thank God for people who do it. And I have a high value on seminary. You and I both went to seminary. I did a residential program. I'm, I'm grateful. But the bottom line is, for a lot of guys, by the time they really sense the call to ministry, if the only path forward is formal seminary training and moving and all of that, they're just not going to do it. And so we had to think, okay, if we want to plant hundreds of churches in South Florida, we're going to have to get some of the Joes to come and do the work. We can't rely on a bunch of seminary trained pros. And how can we take the Joes and give them more training and elevate their game? And what we discovered is there are a lot of great leaders in our pews that have tremendous leadership capacity, and they've demonstrated it in a lot of different arenas, and they actually have capacity and they have margin in their life to do more for God and a desire to do more for God. And so we've been able to put this opportunity of residency in front front of them, and we've seen people just seize on this opportunity. And because of that, we can train and equip people at all walks of life. So some some of our residents, high school dropouts, and they're getting their GED, but we're training them to be pastors. Some of them have college degrees or advanced degrees, and we are training them. Some of them are very wealthy, actually. Some of them are very poor. So we have all kinds of people. And what we do is a two-year program. So we focus the first year on biblical theological training to make sure we have the same base. And the second year is a lot more practical. How do you actually develop a core group? How do you create, how do you become a convener? 
How do you share the gospel? How do you make disciples? And so this two-year program, the other thing that happens is over the two years, we get to know them. We get to know their spouses. We get to know their kids. We get to examine them to see, are they really qualified as a 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1 pastor? And we get to know them very well. And so some of our guys, they wash out for whatever reason. They realize this is more of a commitment that I can make. Or as we get to know their character, they're still good brothers, but they really aren't qualified as a pastor. Or we can say, you know, you're gifting and it's it's just not really going to cut it. But what we can do is we can take people from all walks of life and give them a fair opportunity to be trained and give them opportunities to actually do real ministry. And sometimes we're surprised because the guy on the who on the first look doesn't just jump out at you as a great leader. You're surprised, aren't you? Well, over two years, you discover, hey, you may not think they look like a great leader, but look at what they've actually right. done over right. two years. And it gives us a, a better chance to to look at them over time. Well, Jimmy, one of the things that we like to say is that our church planting residency program is how we take people from the pew to the church plant. That's right, from the pew to the plant. One of the things that I'm really excited about is I think about all of the churches and the campuses and the C churches that we have now. I mean, you think about those guys. These are guys that, you know, two or three or four years ago, they were just working jobs, full-time jobs, whatever. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, through the investment of godly men in their lives, these men have discovered God's calling on their life. And these guys are actually leading and thriving congregations today. And that's just so exciting. It really is. And, and Steve, here's, here's one thing I would say for our church, for the rest of us listeners. You may hear all this and go, oh, wow. So you guys have trained 40 men and women in English in your residency and 20 in Spanish. And you may have a single staff church or a smaller church with less resources. You may I think, I could never do this. I want you to know, if, if I was a pastor at a small church, even if I was the only person on staff, or even if I was bivocational, I would make sure I would try to find one. I would have one resident that I'm training. I would train one at guy least one. to be a pastor. I would try to train two guys to be a pastor. And this could work in any setting, whether you're a high school dropout or if you have a PhD, everybody could be training somebody. Have one resident that has an aspiration, desire to be a pastor. Well, if men in our church think that the only on-ramp to church ministry or pastoral calling is what you described earlier, yeah. going off to another state and doing this for three or four years, then we're going to have ridiculous. very few. One of the things, Jimmy, when you started casting vision here, you lowered the bar, not the not the bar on calling, but the bar so that even men who had full-time jobs or you know were vocationally successful in other areas, they began to remember earlier in their life times that they wrestled with ministry calling. And this gave them opportunity to ask questions and get involved and then work through our program, our residency program, to actually see and have that validated. Well, no doubt. And let me just give you some examples of the kind of guys that we're talking about. I mean, there's a guy named Eric. He's the president of a large nonprofit here in Palm Beach County. Not a religious nonprofit, just a large healthcare fund. A guy named Jimmy is a corporate trainer. He trains franchisees for a large and growing company. There's another guy named Jimmy is a firefighter. There's a lady named... Yanisa, who's a school teacher. Gustavo is a McDonald's manager. Richardson works at Home Depot. Robbie is a pool repairman. Paul is a firefighter, and a lady named Stana is a is a teacher, and she was one of our best, and she just recently moved to Pennsylvania. So we have 20 total residents. We have people from all walks of life, and it really is a way to take people from the pew who are sitting there with a desire and a capacity and a sense of calling and actually put them to work in the church plant, and we're seeing that happen. Well, Jimmy, we also have a leadership pipeline strategy with our worship ministry, and it's going really well. This past year, we launched Launch, so yeah. Launch is the yeah, name of it. it. 
But, you know, Jimmy, I was a little bit offended because you and I were not invited to no, participate. I wasn't even in invited that. to audition. Yeah, and I don't know if it had to do with the different type, the pants that we wear, because they have different pants than what we wear. I, I don't know. A little tighter. It couldn't, it couldn't be our voice or our music ability. No, and, and Steve, I mean, a few weeks ago, I sang in church. I sang I Love This Bar in church, and I don't know why they did. I thought that when I did that. That was an audition. Well, they were going to say, man, we've got to get Pastor Jimmy over here. But yeah, they, we, we need him. They I, said, no, I, we're just going to let him preach. They don't want me to outshine him. Yeah, that's probably mm-hmm. it. Well, Jimmy, talk to us a little bit because this, you know, we we started this and when I think about what those guys did, it really was ingenious because they could have said, we're going to do a 14-week or 16-week worship ministry training and they probably would have had about five or six people show mm-hmm. up, but they actually packaged their launch training and the systems almost like that the television show, The Voice. Yeah, and so yeah. I mean, it was like you know the the different things that they were doing with the auditions and the training. It was really unbelievable, and the response that we got was phenomenal. Well, we had thirty five people get engaged and actually stay with the program for twelve weeks, and so we got to meet musicians that were in our church that we didn't even know. Right? They, you know, we have a large church, we have a lot of campuses. Well, we didn't even know they were here. They heard about launch applied, and we're like, "Wow, you've been sitting here all this time. Why haven't you been on the platform?" Exactly. So, so. We have discovered a lot of new musicians, and I'll tell you what else. Talent attracts talent, and artists attract artists. So other people in our community that weren't connected with churches or whatever, they've actually began to come and say, hey, we want to get involved in something like that. And we've been able to share the gospel with them and help them walk with Jesus. And one of the things that our team does is this is about leadership development. It's not just about music. And so they begin to start every session with training from the Bible, training in family church DNA, training in evangelism and discipleship tools. And so this isn't just about getting people to play music better This is or recruiting musicians. This is about developing leaders. Because again, like we said about the internships, if people think you're trying to use them for cheap labor, right. they're going to get pretty tired of that. And as soon as somebody gives them a better deal, they're going to go. But if people figure out that you are there for them, you are there to invest in them, wow, that becomes a really attractive thing. Give me a lot of our listeners for church for the rest of us. They could listen to a podcast like ours today. And as they're listening to it, they go, wow, you know, I'm really glad that everything's working great for you guys. And you have 48 of this and 60 of these and blah, blah, blah. But a lot of our listeners, quite honestly, they're in struggling churches. It may just be them. It could be them and their secretary. It could be that they're actually in the middle of a church war. And so they come from a very realistic mindset of just going, wow, I'm just belling water as fast as I can. And I'd like to start all these new things and I just can't even get my mind around. Why don't you talk to us for a second about what it might look like for a listener like that or a pastor like that and how he actually could start today? Yeah. And let me say, guys, Steve and I both have worked in a lot smaller situations and where we didn't have assistants and interns and all of this kind of stuff. Look, even if you're by yourself and even if you're in a hostile situation where things aren't going that well, you can at least take somebody with you. And I learned this from a mentor of mine named Dave Adams. He teaches at Liberty University now. And Dave said, Jimmy, whatever, wherever you go, why don't you just take somebody with you? So when you go on a hospital visit, why don't you invite somebody to go with you? When you're preparing a sermon, why don't you kind of get it going and then invite somebody into the conversation to help you with it? When you're going to speak somewhere, or do a funeral or do a wedding, why don't you bring somebody with you? And if you would just find some people in your church that have some interest in ministry and what you're doing, You can begin to take them with you and you can begin to mentor them and coach them. And who knows, a relationship blossoms or they begin to demonstrate some giving or some interest. 
some gifting or some interest, and you can perhaps let that develop into some kind of an internship or some kind of a of a residency. And and this is one thing, guys. I don't care where you are. You can be developing leaders in your own sphere, in your own way, in a place that's in a way that's appropriate for your own context and your own personality. Jimmy, one of the things that you've cast vision for us as we're trying to plant, you know, hundreds and literally thousands of churches down here in South Florida, is you've you've called this out. You've called leadership out people by casting vision, and that's something that you do really well. And you know, if you think about just our context and the lostness of South Florida. We really do not have a choice. I mean, we have to raise up tens of thousands of leaders. And I know that's something that our listeners can identify with. We're going to actually be talking a lot about this at the Sharper Conference that's coming up in March. I'd like to invite our listeners to check out our website at www.sharperconference.com. And this would be a great conference for you and your team to come to. It really would. I One reason it would be a great conference to come to is it's going to be in the middle of winter for most of our yeah, listeners. Yeah, that's right. So come on down. Nothing else come for the weather. That's right. So even this, as we close our episode today, I want you to know that there are tons of free resources on our Family Church Network website. Hope that you'll check that out, listen to those, and we hope that they'll be a blessing to you. Thank you for listening today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.